Welcome. We are live. This is today's episode of MicroConf On Air. I am your host, Rob Wallen. Every Wednesday, we live stream for about 30 minutes. We cover topics related to building and growing ambitious startups that don't require us to work 80-hour weeks, raise millions in venture capital, or drive us to the brink of burnout. We believe in a long-term mindset. We think in terms of years, not months. And as such, we don't grind ourselves into little little pieces of human flesh by working these crazy hours and sacrificing our mental health or our relationships. That's what MicroConf Startups for the Rest of Us is all about, and that's the lens through which we view startups. Today, I'm excited to have a slightly different episode format. I guess we did one of these uh, in the past, but we're doing what's called a Founder Spotlight, a MicroConf Connect Founder Spotlight. And so if you haven't heard, I'd be surprised because I say it every week on this on this live stream, but MicroConf Connect is MicroConf's year-round Slack channel, and it's our online community. And we have 1,100 and, I don't know, 50 founders or something, approaching 1,200 at this point, who are in there, uh, ambitious, building cool things. Most are bootstrapped. There's some are self-funded. Some are very small amounts of money, but it's, you know, it's not the venture track. Go crazy. Ask people for permission to build your business. It's, hey, let's, let's actually build a real business for real customers who are paying us real money rather than sitting around waiting for someone to write us a check to be able to do it. And so today uh, we're going to be talking with two of our Connect founders um, who are at different stages. So it'll, it'll be kind of uh, a fun to get to know these folks. Um, the first founder I want to bring on, and we'll talk for about half the episode, and then we'll transition to second. The first one is uh, Edwin Williams. He's the founder and CEO of Zen Hammer, which he calls the pocket office for subcontractors. And that's construction, I believe, not, uh, not like developer subcontractors. He's also the associate VP of the Johnson City, Tennessee area Home Builders Association. As a reminder, if you have questions, put them in the MicroConf on air channel in MicroConf Connect. I'm going to ask him a few questions. And as we go, if you have any, uh, it'd be great if you could um, let us know so I can ask him to Edwin. So Edwin, welcome to the show, sir. Thank you for having me. It's great to see you again. I know yeah. you missed the last conference, but yeah. Yeah, I know. It's great to have you here, man. I'm uh, glad to hear, or I'm, I'm happy to, to be able to dig into what you've been doing with Zenhammer. Um, we were talking offline right before we, we started streaming that you were going to launch a couple weeks ago. You ran into some technical issues. And so you're, you're looking to launch in the next week or two. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. Um, turn everything live and go. It's exciting. It's scary. Uh, We've got some website redesigns to do as well. But yeah, yep. I'm really excited, really scared, but that's life. <laughs> that's that's par for the course. That's why we do this, I think, right? Both to scare ourselves and also to, uh, I don't know, to, to just feel alive, sir. So do you have a, uh, do you have a nice, you have an email launch list then? Like kind of what are your plans for the launch rollout? I'm curious. This is off script, by the way. I, I had a oh. list of questions that I talked to Edwin about, and then I'm just, I'm just going to, Play, play by ear here, but I, I just realized I wanted to hear more about, you know, what you're thinking in terms of that. So, yes, I actually have a pretty good email list. Um, I've collected over the last couple of years from when we did Perserbid pre-pivot to Zenhammer. Um, and even with the last uh, year with going to different associations, meeting people, getting their contacts, the people are like, this is cool, keep us updated. And so I've built out like about a couple hundred personal contacts I've made um, start with that group as warm email marketing and then move from there to like visiting associations, um, Facebook campaigns and other methods of reaching the market. So. All right. Cool. 
And so that's the, you know, in the conversation today, I mean, I think I have a couple goals. Number one, there are, there are folks in Connect who, you know, want to hear your story because they see you in, in Connect talking about things. And it's always nice to just know more about the founders that you're interacting with. So I want to hear a little more about that. In addition, it's nice to bring in some, some learnings, you know, some learnings from your experiences that, of things you feel like you've done well, things maybe you made a mistake and have learned from. Um, including, I mean, you just mentioned, you know, you pivoted, I think I want to start with this, you pivoted your prior app to, to Zenhammer. Um, you want yeah. to tell us, you know, what you learned doing this and what that process was like? So, yeah, um, when we, I started, uh, the idea was per service, personal service bidding, where contractors or homeowners could post jobs and contractors would bid on them and we'd hold the money in escrow. And so at like a two-sided marketplace. Yes. And uh, I'll never forget my first microconf conference. Everybody was like, don't do marketplaces. <laughs> <laughs> don't do it. Yeah. If you had written into me on the podcast, I'd have been like, here's my first piece of advice. <laughs> don't do it. So yeah, they're, they're hard. But yeah. so you, yeah. did you try to get that going? And it was, it was yeah. brutal. And we ran into a couple of interesting problems, not exactly what we expected. Uh, one problem was that the jobs were getting posted, but at least in our area, the contractors were busy and couldn't, uh, couldn't address those jobs. So they're like, if the people can wait six months, we can get to them, but nobody wants to wait six months to have their right. deck remodeled. Um, and then we also had a couple technical issues as well. And so as things weren't going as planned, we came, we were actually at the point of calling it quits. And the contractors in the area were like, don't quit, you're almost there. Here's what mm -hmm. we really want. And so what the biggest thing that I'd say I'd learned out of the pivot was we were asking the wrong question for our market. The contractors didn't need more customers. They just needed a better way to handle the customers or, wow. and, yeah. So we sat down with them, sat down with our friends and our advisors and we did our business model, um, came up with Zenhammer, uh, the name Zenhammer, I was basically told the contractors in our market, hey, if you want me to build this app for you, you have to help me name it. So I brainstormed some names, pushed it out to several people. They came back with the several names, and then we had a vote, and Zenhammer came out on top. So that's actually how we picked the name Zenhammer. So. Crazy. Was it influenced at all by my wife, Zen Founder? I'm guessing it was. No, I didn't know your wife had Zen Founder. <laughs> that's her Twitter handle and her podcast name, yeah. So oh, okay. No, no, no. Okay, so keep, keep going with that. So that's super interesting then. So you launched this marketplace. It's not working. The contractors are saying, ah, don't shut it down. What we really need is, is the ability to it, it manage communications. Is that the idea? With, yes. with Yeah, so they were basically telling you that's really cool. How many contractors were using it at that time or were at least so, you know, on um, the list, so to speak? So off the list of Perserbid, I had about – roughly 86 to 90 contractors who are on there. Mm -hmm. um, okay. And then my and contractors I've been talking to on a regular basis, but hadn't signed up, that list goes up to about 200. But the they were saying, this is what we'd like. This is what we want. Here's what's in the market. Here's what has not been addressed. And so when we sat down and wrote and we're like, okay, what's the really big idea? we sat down and came up with a big idea and then we scaled it back to like, okay, where do we start? And they're like, well, if you start right here, that will help us a lot. So that's where we're starting. And it's the quickest, easiest version that we can get out that does mm -hmm. the core things that they need done. So mm -hmm. that they're- That's super it. helpful. 
it's super helpful to have those 86 contractors, right? Or the 90 contractors. So how, yeah. I'm curious how, you know, I imagine someone listening to this is thinking, well, how do you get 90 contractors even interested in this app? What was that process like? Ah, uh, that's not a personal face-to-face. -face. <laughs> oh, wow. um, yeah. And so like uh, back to when I started for Servid, I walked into the front door of the Johnson City Area Home Builders Association and mm -hmm. pitched the idea to them. And yeah. the original idea, they're like, Mm, we don't think that'll work, but if you join us and have the contractors talk to contractors, you can tweak the idea. And so right. that's how I got into the association. And then just by working with them over the years, that's how I got the list. That's how yep. they signed up. Um, and so it was a lot of personal equity put into like meeting the people, sitting yeah. down with them, finding out what they want, that type of thing. Yeah, it's like it's like a different form of, you know, you think about folks who build an audience, right? You know, you know uh, whatever, a, a base camp, you know, DHH and Jason Fried or Justin Jackson or myself or whatever. And it's you spend these years doing a podcast, doing a blog, whatever. You did it in such a unique way where you went to a homeowners, or not a homeowners, a home builders association in, yeah. in Johnson City, Tennessee, which is where you live. And you just started talking to them and then you became the associate VP and suddenly that's... Uh, that that becomes a thing. I find that a pretty fascinating approach and one I haven't haven't really heard, you know, before. Yeah. I'm getting a and question then, in Slack, sorry. Yeah, yeah, you can keep going yeah. with that. Oh. So yeah, then now we're at the point where we're getting ready to launch and we have all the contractors who've helped us with through the redesign, the test. And so we're pretty excited about the reach that we hopefully will have over the mm -hmm. next rest of the year going into 2021. Cool. Well, we have a question from Pablo. He says, are you using Braintree Marketplace or have you evaluated it? But I guess if so you're not running you, a marketplace anymore, you wouldn't, right? Yeah. So uh, we used Braintree Marketplace when we were under Preserved. But when we um, pivot, did our pivot, mm -hmm. we kind of threw the old stack away and built from the ground up. And now we're using Strike Connect um, for our okay. payment system. Cool. Uh, we do have a question. Another question. This is from uh, Tony from Cloud Forecast, who I, will be the next Founder uh, Spotlight. But he says, um, "What he says? Do you have any goals or expectations about this upcoming launch?" And I'll even um, add to I that. Do. Like, yeah. Okay. Cool. Go go with it then. I'd love to hear yeah. that. So um, our goal is for the next uh, for Q3 to finish out Q3 is 25 uh, paying subscribers by end of Q3. And then another 150 Q4. Um, and then our goal then for 2021, like going out, we want to get at least 200 users paying subscribers by the end of this year is our goal. Got it. What's your, what's your price point approximately? Uh, $49 a month with subscription. Okay. And then when yep. we add um, our next feature, we'll be taking a small percentage off of transaction fees between contract right, and contract. Right. Cool. So just between you and I, since no one else is listening, I would, I love the idea of moving to SaaS from a marketplace. Like it's, it's going from one of the hardest businesses where you need all this stuff to happen all at once really quickly to like, yeah. I don't know if we have five customers, we provide them with the same value as if we have 5,000, right. And as, as bootstrappers yeah. or you know early stage folks, that's super valuable. The, I want to ask a little bit about your network or we're, we're we have about three or four more minutes before we have to bring Tony on, right. but um, I have two more questions for you. The first one is you mentioned specifically um, when you applied for the founder spotlight. And by the way, yes, if anyone, if you're in connect and you want to be, uh, you know, 
potentially featured on uh, MicroConf on air, um, I think producer Xander will post a link into um, the Slack channel, the on-air Slack channel, and you can apply. But in your application, you mentioned that one of the things you feel like you did really well while while building Zenhammer is you built a really strong network. And I'm curious, what benefit, like specific benefits, did you gain from that? So um, one of the things, like for through the network, was experience that I didn't have. So where there was information that I didn't know. Like when I started, I was non-technical and I've learned programming over the years. And that's yep. come from studying, talking to other founders who have the skills, like how do I do this? What's to do? And um, even though I'm not the doing the heavy lifting, um, I still understand what's going on. Uh, even though I'm focused on the sales and marketing. Also um, experience in the industry. I learned a lot about the building industry, the building industry needs from meeting people in the industry, listening to them talk, hearing them complain about what they, what wasn't serving them um, and trying to figure out, okay, nobody's addressing that specific thing. How do I help them in that specific area and get there? Um, and building that network was a bunch of, again, meeting people, volunteering for events um, in the industry, helping people in the industry, and then just doing what I could to get to know the industry. And yeah. building, it's, it's been extremely helpful and it's allowed me to go to like other markets and say, hey, I'm new here, but here's who I know, here's where I come from, here's what I do. And like, oh, come in and it's given me access to other in industry networks across the country. Yeah, yeah, totally. And that's a lot of that's a lot of hustle. It's a lot of hard work. And frankly, it's a lot of things that some, especially I would say more people like me who are more developers, don't want to do when they're launching a SaaS, right? They don't want to get out of their out of their basement and they don't want to go, um, you know, shake hands and, and make in-person connections, but it is incredibly valuable. And so I think that's a lesson that folks should take away from your experience. Um, last question for you. We have about a minute. I want to hear you specifically mention one of your regrets or kind of a mistake you made was listening to the wrong people when you first got started. Talk yes. to me about that. So um, one of the problems, especially like when you don't have any entrepreneur back people in your life is yep. you don't know who to ask information from. So um, one of the big mistakes I wish I hadn't listened to was Someone told me that I never needed to learn programming. I can just hire it out without understanding the code. Sure. If I could go back, I would have told myself back then, learn the basics so you understand what's going on um, to know if what's, ha if what's being written is correct or not and that type of thing. Mm -hmm. um, also, just basic business practices. Um, there's a lot of wrong information. Um, I blame the movie The Social Network for that where they're like you built it and people are just supposed to show up and you get a million dollars it does not work like that uh and nobody tells you that if you don't know who to talk right. to right so um finding the correct mentors the correct people to talk to um, i try to find people who have built businesses who do marketing who do program or good programmers asking for the advice and Try to learn from the mistakes that they made so you don't make them. Yes, you're going to make mistakes, but the goal is to make them, learn from them as fast as possible, iterate, and make that yep. as 
quick as possible. I'm not gonna say as painless as possible, but as quick as possible. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's. I'd say if I had the correct information, things would have gone a lot differently. Um, I'm not yeah. gonna say smoother as well, but uh, right, we might get there a lot faster. Is typically how yes. I think about it. I think a lot of us, especially. When we become bootstrappers or self-funded, we've already gone down the venture path because we thought it was the only path because that's all everybody talks about. And and people, you say, I'm going to start a software company. And they say, okay, so go raise, build a deck and raise money. And it's like, wait a minute. Like, why is everyone saying that? Like, there's so many, like, Zenhammer can be wildly successful and change your life and not need any of that, you know? So it's it's having, and that's part of our mission, right? I mean, that's part of the microconf startup to the rest of us. Tiny Seed mission is to, like, you know, to not only offer that alternative, but to promote it such that people know that there there are these other options out there. And it's it's better or worse than venture capital, depending on your goals and how you want to go about it. So yeah. Edwin, thank you so much for joining me today, man. Uh, it was great to catch up. I, I look forward to seeing you at a future microconf once we're able to uh, get back in person. Likewise. All right, sir. Take it easy. All right. Now our second guest is Mr. Tony Chan. He's the co-founder and CEO of Cloud Forecast. And their uh, H1 tag on cloudforecast.io is monitor and eliminate wasted costs in AWS without spending significant engineering time and resources. So Amazon Web Services, they're tracking billing and they're helping you do it more efficiently. Prior to Cloud Forecast, he worked at Perfect Audience, which some of you may have heard about. That was actually the first platform I ever used to, uh, to do retargeting advertising. It was before Google and Facebook offered it specifically. Um, Perfect Audience was, was this great platform. I love how he added this little personal bit, and I love it. Outside of work, his interests include tuning import cars, think Hondas, eating and cooking, travel, and Asian American history. Tony Chan, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. First time caller, long time listener. So yeah, awesome, um, man. Yeah, I've known you for quite some time, so it's great to be part of this uh, community and podcast here. Absolutely, it's a pleasure to have you on. We've done several phone calls over the past couple of years. So I, I kind of have some pretty good context of Cloud Forecast, where you've been and where you're headed. Um, yeah, you pretty much know gonna... a lot about us. <laughs> I know, I know. It's surprising. Well, you follow a story and you just kind of, you know, the, the the hurdles and the bumps and the this and the that. So um, I think we'll, you know, I want to remind folks in MicroConf on air, uh, if you have questions for Tony as we move forward, please post them in the Slack. But for now, um, I'm going to just start diving into to some questions that we talked about in advance. So. I'm curious to hear what's been the hardest part, one of the hardest parts of building Cloud Forecast for you. I would say, you know, you you read about Bear Metrics and he writes about the slow ramp of death. And I think for us, you know, that's, that's the hardest part, um, especially launching from scratch, um, getting data uh, from just chatting with people um, on your product and figuring out what to build. And especially if you're launching from scratch, you you have an idea of your product and what you want to build, but as you're chatting with people, you have to kind of adjust that thinking a little bit. So that's been really hard, right? Um, you know, we had revenue goals, but you know that that went out the door after a few months. Um, but I would say that's been the hardest part. It's just like sticking with it, um, being consistent, always chatting with people and just gathering that data on what we need to build to bring value to people in um, the in Amazon Web Services. So that's been really hard for us. Yeah, yeah. It, sometimes it takes a lot longer than the the stories that we see, even the ones not on TechCrunch, right? I mean, if you look at the barometric story, like Josh went from, uh, 
I'm trying, they went from zero to 30 K MRR in not very much time. And I remember watching that because he was, you know, it was public and thinking, oh man, this is really happening. And if you think that's the norm, you're going to be really, really disappointed because Josh caught lightning in a bottle, you know, and if mm -hmm. it takes you, it might take you two years to get there where it took him four months or whatever. And Right. And I think a lot of things we read kind of perpetuates the idea that, yeah. hey, this is an overnight success story, but there is just so much grit, hustle, learning. Um, I don't like saying failure, more so setback, right? Yeah. That discourages you and you're like why am i not getting the success that i'm reading about but yeah. you know it's relative right at the end of the day um so i think that's been hard but we're making good progress on our side um the data that we're getting from our customers and the conversations are becoming a tighter story in some ways instead of making guesses we're making better guesses than what we we're doing before so i think that's a encouraging part of where we're at last year when we did it for full time uh, for one year total to what we have now. So that's been good for us. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Oh, I'm, and I also meant to set this kind of set the stage of, of the stage you're at uh, before we started talking, but I'll do it now. So you, you know, you mentioned to me that in essence, you are two co-founders taking salaries and your default alive. So that gives yep. people somewhat of an idea. You're definitely, po you know, definitely post revenue, um, but you know, you don't have any employees or anything. Are there any other, um, any other failures you want to talk about or, or mention? Um, I wouldn't call them failures, Set, but maybe setbacks, setbacks, speed bumps. Right? Um, yeah, I think, <laughs> yeah, I, I think early on in my career, right, that's when I started changing that because failure is such a finality to it in some ways. Like you failed yeah. and that's it. And I think that's what culture perpetuates. Like you fail and that's it. Um, I think our greatest setback in different ways is just um, you know, we we apply to a lot of accelerators on our side, and I think for us, getting rejected is really difficult. Um, in some ways, uh, because I think at that time when you're rejected, it's just a sinking feeling that you have. You're like, oh, did I fail as a founder? Is my product not yeah. good enough? But I think one thing that Francois had done really well is like, we take a step back, we take a look at a bigger picture. It's not indicative of who we are as founders or our product, but it's an opportunity for us to learn, an opportunity for us to like, okay, these are the things that they didn't like about us. You know, they know what they're doing, right? Um, they're smart startup people. How can we apply that and grow our business a little bit further? So I think that's the biggest one that we've faced. And every time we applied to Accelerator, got rejected, um, sinking feeling, took a step back, learned from it. And then we just grew from that, those opportunities, right? And just try to take advantage of those advice that we get from um, those, those accelerators. Yeah, sorry. Because you applied a tiny seed, and we, we, <laughs> we, you know, it just it happens. You get you get a nine hundred applicants, and yeah. I've all, I've liked what you guys are doing. I like your team, and it just said you know a certain at, point. We don't at the end of the day, companies. it's like I I always talk to Francois about this. There's just so many things you just can't control. Yeah, you know, uh, like extracurricular stuff, and it's very. I think if you dwell on it, you become consumed about, about it, right? But yep. if we dwell on things that we can control, I think, you know, you can build a better business out of that and uh, put more effort to it and less brain power to kind of dealing with those issues. Absolutely. That's a skill I didn't learn until way too late in my life. I was probably in my mm -hmm. 30s before I learned to like let things go and realize, hey, let's focus on the things I am in control of, you know? Yeah, yeah. Our, our next our next question is from Justin Jackson. He says, how do people currently find Cloud Forecast? What's going on in their life that brings them to you? 
And before you answer that, it's cloudforecast.io if you want to check out the website. But go ahead and hit us up, Tony. Yeah, absolutely. So we work with a lot of um, startups and mid-market-sized companies that might have a huge engineering team. And they're high growth, right? So their AWS bill is growing month over month over month. And their engineering team might be 20, 30, 40 people deep. And a lot of them are deploying things on Amazon Web Services. So, But with so many moving parts, what often can happen is you might deploy EC2 instance or, or a product that someone might not be aware of. And it just becomes a recurring cost and you might not catch it to the end of the month. And then when the, and the month bill comes, you're like, whoa, why am I getting the surprise here? You know, what is this, right? And it's already 15 days too late, right? And you can go to AWS and be like, hey, can I get a credit? Um, but that's, that's a problem, right? Um, because managing your costs is not going to make your product better at the end of the day, right? It's not going to make your features better. So what we do when we come in and the pain point that we help is just providing quick visibility to engineers. Like engineers don't like, going into dashboards, they don't want to do another tool, just provide a simple email on a daily basis that gives them a report and say, hey, here are the anomalies, here are the deltas, um, here are things that you should care about, here are things you shouldn't care about, archive on your day so you can focus on technical priorities. Yeah, and that's an interest, it's an interesting problem you're solving because before I experienced it, and I don't remember if it was hit tail or drip, but at some point we left a server going, you know, it's a typical thing. Yeah. And suddenly we spent a thousand bucks in a month where our hosting should have been 200 or something. And before I experienced it, I didn't even think it would be an issue. So I wouldn't have sought you out. But the moment it happened, I was like, how did we not figure this out? Is there a solution? And of course, at the time, we, you know, let's say it was 20, somewhere between 2013, 2015, I don't remember there being solutions. I like Googled like AWS, you know, tracking mm -hmm. or whatever, and there wasn't anything there. So it's almost like, I imagine it's potentially an uphill battle for you to find people who have already experienced that pain because other, it's either, it's an aspirin only if you experienced the pain once yeah, you know, versus a vitamin before mm -hmm. that. And we, we try to be relevant with our code outreaches. You know, that's one way that yeah. we're finding people like their bill arrives at the beginning of the month. So we do a lot of code outreach in the beginning of the month nice. with, hey, here's your, did, did you get your AWS invoices? Were there any surprises, right? And, yep. Yep. Um, and that's why we're, we're pretty realistic about kind of where we're at with a bootstrap startup, right? Um, other players in the uh, space are focused on enterprise, right? And they're focused on bigger businesses and whatnot. Uh, whereas we're focused on mid-market and uh, AWS provides really great reporting tool, but we're a, in a big market, right? So that gives us a lot of opportunity and we're a nice um, add-on tool to uh, cost explore in different ways. Yep, that makes sense. Uh, another couple questions from Justin Jackson and I'll, I'll split them up into two, but the first one he asks is what marketing channels are working for you right now? Yeah, um, marketing to engineers is always tough. Um, they're very skeptical. They're, they're, they're highly skeptical. So uh, I would say content is working really well for us, right? And being free value to them and building an audience that way. Uh, we have a few really strong blog posts that are very technical um, related to Amazon Web Services. So that's been really helpful for us to drive more traffic and drive um, just organic search uh, through our website. Another channel that we've been testing that we're starting to see success in is actually code outreach. You know, a lot of people say code outreach doesn't work. That's 10 years ago, but 
surprisingly, like for us, if we it get a works. few that are larger, yeah, it still works that yeah. are larger and it, it makes sense. Um, and that's the way that we've been able to acquire a lot of our larger customers as well. We just got to do it in a very uh, solid way that's not too invasive, right? And you got to be respectful as well. So I think those are the rules yeah. that we follow within our space that we, we do for cold outreach. Very nice. And his follow-up is, are there any marketing channels that you you haven't tried that you'd like to try? Yeah, I think the part that you know, Francois and I were just talking about yesterday is just building more assets of value to engineers, um, highly technical assets, whether it's an ebook or maybe a playbook or a playbook of scripts of like, here are some scripts that you can run to help you scan through all your EC2 instances that are over provision, like stuff like that. So I think that's the next move that we are going to invest a little bit more in is just valuable assets for engineers and just continue to build an audience that way and continue to build more of a uh, domain knowledge in the space through that. Yeah, very cool. So last question before we wrap up, um, what has been your, what do you think has been your biggest victory to date in building Cloud Forecast? Yeah, I think for us, our greatest victory is just having difficult co-founder conversations that can often shut down a company. Whether it's, hey, when should we go full-time? What should we pay ourselves? Uh, what is our equity structure looking like? And that's always really tough, right? Because, you know, when you read about this, the startup landscape in general, that's when the moment where there's a lot of disagreements and failures can often happen within startups. But I think Francois and I, we've always taken a bigger picture of how we approach those tough founder conversations. One, we, um, we look out for each other's best interests. So that's really helpful for us, right? So like we, we always look out for each other, what's the best of the company as well. But the bigger picture is like, we also look at it as like as a privilege for us to work on this full time as well, right? Um, my family and my dad came here uh, from China as an immigrant, and there's really no reason why I can't be successful when he was able to come here with no English background and be successful here. So, like, I always try to take it one step back and look at bigger picture of things. It's a privilege for us to be able to work on this and Francois in different ways as well. So, that's been. I, in my opinion, if I had to take a step back, the, the, the ability to just go through those conversations without um, jeopardizing our relationship has been the greatest success story. And I really hope that will continue on as we continue to build Cloud Forecast. Bravo. Yeah, bravo to that because co-founder disputes and, and co-founder split-ups are some of the biggest reasons, you know, some of the most frequent reasons that startups fail. So. Thanks for all your wisdom today, man. I really appreciate it. And uh, yeah. you know, you're you're quite active in in Connect, and I know folks have seen you around. So I think it's cool if they you know get to see your face and and hear what you're up to. Um, if they want to follow, I know you guys are at Cloud Forecast on Twitter. And obviously, mm -hmm. if there if there's someone listening to this, it's like, hey, I do have AWS uh, potential, you know, to to be overcharged or to let stuff go. Um, CloudForecast.io. Thanks yeah, a lot for joining. Yeah, thank you me. so much for the opportunity, Rob. Absolutely, it was a pleasure. So yeah, to, in wrapping up, a couple housekeeping items. Um, uh, I don't know that I mentioned Zenhammer's uh, information. It's at it's get Zenhammer on Twitter, and it's getzenhammer.com. That was Edwin's URL, and obviously CloudForecast.io is uh, Tony, who we were just speaking with. 
two or three housekeeping items before we wrap up. The first is the MicroConf On Air podcast is airing uh, this live stream every Thursday morning. And then every Tuesday morning, we are airing MicroConf talks. And we started with the top five of all time. I do a little intro and outro to give it a you know a little bit of context, but it's audio from these really, to be honest, amazing talks. I mean, it's five best out of 200 something talks that we have. Um, and we're just going to continue with that. I, I don't remember what the next playlist is we're doing, but producers Andrew and I are, are putting these out every Tuesday morning. So MicroConf on air, search for that in any podcatcher, um, or you can listen on the web at microconfpodcast.com. As always, you know, we are on YouTube, youtube.com slash microconf. You should head over there and subscribe if you haven't already so you can be notified about these videos as well as all the other stuff we're putting out there. And finally, thank you to Basecamp and Stripe. They're our headline partners for the year, and uh, we really appreciate their involvement. And we, we just think the world of, of these companies and how they do business and feel like they fit the microconf ethos really, really well. So um, next Wednesday, we will be live streaming once again. We'll be doing more MicroConf on air, same time, same place. It's microconfonair.com every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Eastern. Thank you so much for joining us. See you next week. <laughs>